Hello and welcome to Alchemy Radio, the home of the open mind. As always, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you're enjoying the show and the guests that we bring to you as frequently as we possibly can. As you may be aware, we're currently free, we're completely non-profit and available on demand from alchemyradio.net and iTunes. And our listenership is increasing rapidly, as are the associated costs. So I'll make my frequent appeal for donations, for we do rely on them to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format. Any help you can offer is very much appreciated. There's no fixed cost on donations, and it all helps. So the smallest amount you possibly can would be absolutely fantastic. It goes a long, long way towards keeping us afloat. The donate and subscribe buttons are on the website. And of course, you can contact us on Twitter. That's twitter.com forward slash Alchemy Radio. And we're on Facebook as well. And we'd always love to hear from you with your feedback, guest suggestions and anything else as well. So on to the show. This week's guests are Emma and David Farrell from Archetype Events who run the Gateways of the Mind conferences. Emma has over 15 years experience in events and marketing in both the UK and the Middle East. She has been extremely interested in the development of the mind since a young age and has practiced meditation for many years. This interest has led her to studying masters in the preservation of wisdom culture and the art of liberation. Emma is currently writing her thesis on exploring the nature of the self through the use of lucid dreaming. She has practiced lucid dreaming for over four years and has also trained as a pranic healer in northern India. Other areas of interest and practice are meditation, mindfulness, yoga and qigong. David has 15 years experience in organising large-scale business-to-business conferences and exhibitions in the Middle East and London. He has long held an interest in exploring the history of the world, particularly through revisionist ancient archaeology that questions the more orthodox mainstream views. This interest in questioning the accepted views of the world made him wonder about the nature of reality and has led him on a personal voyage of discovery which has taken him all over the world to many of the sacred sites of India, Egypt, Cambodia and the Middle East. Whilst doing this, he has learned to be a pranic energy and crystal healer as well as beginning the long inwards journey through meditation and various shamanic practices. Other areas of interest include plant medicine and Qigong as well as all aspects of conscious exploration. David and Emma, you're very welcome to the show. How are things? Hi, John. We're fine. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Enjoying some uh, unseasonably nice weather here in Ireland. I believe you're in the south of France and enjoying some unseasonably bad weather. Absolutely. It's tipping it down with rain. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Such is life, I guess. Yeah. Well, we have a huge amount to speak about on today's show. We're going to be talking about lucid dreaming and, of course, your Gateways of the Mind conference and shamanic dreaming, lots of this kind of stuff. But before we do, I'd love to know about your background. So we'll start with you, Emma. Tell us a little bit about how you got from where you were to where you are now, so to speak. Right. Well, um, it's quite a journey. So I'll kind of, uh, in a nutshell, um, basically, we, David and I lived um, for a long time uh, in the Middle East. And uh, we ran our own uh, conference and exhibition company out in Dubai for about uh, five or six years. And then after that, we decided to take some time off and um, go and well go and uh, discover our spirituality in India so we moved to India mm. and uh, for a year and a half and um, up in we were down in Goa then we moved up to the Himalayas 
and discovered dream yoga, actually. We did uh, a week's uh, teachings of dream yoga in a monastery. Um, we were obviously kind of intrigued by the title dream yoga. I'm intrigued we, myself. What is it, Emma? Yeah, it's actually the, the Buddhist practice of lucid dreaming. Um, it's, it's, it's done for spiritual development, um, and it's kind of the higher practices, the higher teachings of, uh, of certain um, Buddhist traditions. So we, taught, we were taught by a, a Buddhist monk in his monastery, and um, we were fascinated by it. And then we got back to England um, just on a holiday, and a friend of ours said, oh, you'll have to come to a, a workshop with me. I'm doing a lucid dreaming workshop. And then we discovered that it's actually uh, practiced in the West in the form of lucid dreaming, mm. which um, is where you are con become consciously aware within your dream, and you can teach yourself to do this. So... We were fascinated by that, and then um, during our time off, um, I decided to do a uh, master's degree in Tibetan Buddhism at um, a university and a, a Buddhist institute in Italy. So from India, we moved to Italy <laughs> for wow. two years. So we've been kind of country hopping for the last 14 years, actually, and we're about to finally move back to the UK. But while we were in Italy, we... Um, decided that uh, we'd like to use our skills in conference and uh, and events industry um, to actually do conferences about things that we're really interested in and to bring the uh, more awareness to these practices of lucid dreaming um, out-of-body explorations that are so beneficial to people and we couldn't understand why more people didn't know about them so um, yeah, we decided to use our skills and create these conferences and uh, Gateways of the Mind was born. So that's where we are. And then we decided uh, to bring it to Ireland, um, mainly because of David's Irish connections and uh, that's where his family is from. Um, so that's where we are today and we're coming back for our second round of Gateways in June. Fantastic. And we're going to talk about that in depth a little bit later on. But David, you're very welcome to the show as well. Tell us a little bit about your background. Obviously, there are going to be extreme parallels with Emma's, but uh, you've mentioned, uh, Emma mentioned an Irish background there. So what's your deal? Yes. Hi, John. Thanks for having us on the show. It's a pleasure to be here, first of all. Good to have you on. Um, yeah. So just to, to add to Emma's kind of um, uh, sort of a potted version of our, our sort of recent history, um, yeah, I mean, my, my background is really also in event organization and uh, I've worked for some of the, the world's biggest kind of business-to-business -business conference and exhibition companies. And, and that's, that's actually the reason we moved out to Dubai in the first place uh, back in 2002. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I was probably just your, your normal kind of average guy, really, just into my football and, and liked a beer or two. And uh, I'd say Emma's probably the more spiritually inclined anyway uh, of the two of us originally. But we, we ended up going on an amazing holiday um, to Egypt about four or five years ago um, with some really interesting kind of spiritual uh, type people and that really um, really opened us up in, in a few different ways and, and kind of made particularly me question a lot of the, you know, the reality that I lived in and, and, and how to see the world and that kind of precipitated the journey that Emma's just talked about um, and you know as Emma said we were up in Dharamsala where His Holiness the Dalai Lama uh, spends a lot of his time and we, we did this course in Tibetan Dream Yoga which as Emma said, it's is, is not quite the Tibetan lucid dreaming, um, but, it, but it incorporates that, but it's also many other higher kind of tantric practices and uh, ultimately can, can help people um, on the path to, um, to spiritual enlightenment. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, our kind of uh, our lives the last four years have been very much in parallel. 
but in slightly different directions. And we we, did, we both spent time in in Italy doing the Buddhist course, uh, which Emma managed to complete. Um, <laughs> j- just recently completed, in fact. Yeah. Um, I, I found the course a bit more difficult. I actually only managed to complete half of it. I found that some aspects of the the Buddhist religion that was being taught there didn't quite sit with my own personal path, mm. uh, and so I, I ended up. Uh, spending a lot more time with our business, with the gateways of the mind, and, and also my personal interest took me more into a shamanic direction, um, which is something that I'm still pursuing to this day. So it's been interesting. You know, we, we both have our own personal interests. They are very similar in many ways, but they're also a little bit different. And so when we come to organizing the events, we bring those different things to the table. And I think that's going to help us with our conversation as well, because I'm going to direct our first question to Emma then, and we'll come back to the sh- shamanic side of things with you, David, if that's okay. So... Emma, lucid dreaming. What is it? What's the concept of lucid dreaming? And what's it all about, really? Tell us all about it. I'm fascinated. Sure. Well, it is a fascinating subject and it's huge. So again, I'll have to kind of give you a potted version of, uh, of what it is and what it means. But basically, you can train yourself to become consciously aware in your dream. So just as when you wake up in the morning from your dreams and you, you wake up into the, this, this reality, mm-hmm. you can actually wake up within your dream so that you can realize that, hey, I'm dreaming. Um, now, a lot of people have probably had experiences of this, particularly when they were children, um, but didn't realize that you can actually use it for your benefit. Um, you can use it for both your spiritual and your personal development. Um, because if you think about it, Um, when you're awake in a dream you realize that everything around you is a projection of your own mind Mm. so you're having a direct conversation with your subconscious now just if you sit and think about that that's a huge huge opportunity to not only be your own therapist uh, where you can kind of confront things that you're fearful of like for example um if you're scared of sharks for example or spiders people have real phobias of things you can confront these things um in your dream and from a neurological point of view you are actually reprogramming your brain your neuro neurological pathways um to not be scared of them because in, in your dream, you allow the spider to crawl up your arm or you swim with the shark within your lucid dream. So you're actually kind of pro- reprogramming your subconscious, reprogram- reprogramming your brain to not have that phobia anymore. And um, lucid dreaming is actually scientifically validated. So um, it was uh, it was discovered, if you like, um, and validated by Dr. Keith Hearn back in the 70s, all his kind of research is in the British Museum. And um, at the same time, it was discovered separately, but at the same time by Dr. Stephen LaBerge in America. And um, they validated it by having lucid dreamers communicate to them with eye movements from within the dream. And they were hooked up to ECG machines, etc., um, so it is a, a scientifically validated thing. That's why we thought that it's a great thing to do a conference on because not only is it so beneficial um, psychologically and spiritually to people, but it's also very um, accessible and people will understand it uh, because it's scientific. It's got its, its roots in science. And it's amazing. I'm one of those people who, from time to time, I'm aware that I'm dreaming, but I never knew... 
that you could actually control that dream then. And there are different types of lucid dreams, if I understand it correctly, through um, my little bit of reading on it. Can you tell us a little bit about those and how they differ from each other? Yeah, sure. I mean, yes, um, if you're aware that you're dreaming, there's different levels of lucidity. So you could just be aware that, oh, yeah, this is just a dream, nothing to be scared of or nothing, you know, mm. just aware that you're dreaming. Then there's another step of um, another type of lucid dream where you're kind of really lucid and everything is um, is very extremely vivid to you. Um, as soon as you become lucid in a dream and you realize you're dreaming, everything becomes hyper 3D. And um, you have to really convince yourself that it's a dream because you can pick things up and read it or you can, you know, you look at people and everything's really detailed. So you have to really convince yourself by jumping up and, you know, kind of if you jump, you've, you kind of, you'll float and therefore you know that you're dreaming. Um, so there's little tricks to do. Or looking at your hand, um, because quite often if you look at a detailed pattern, then you look away and then you look back at it, it'll change or it'll morph or whatever. So looking at the patterns on your hand is a good one. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different levels of lucidity. And then depending on your level of lucidity depends on what you want to do with it. So quite often beginners will start off and what's really great fun is learning how to fly in your lucid dreams so you can fly anywhere around the world you can just fly around your house you could fly around outside you decide <laughs> that's the great thing um and uh, so people do you know you can just let your imagination run wild with stuff that you want to do um i once um uh, became lucid realized i was dreaming when I was stood on top of a waterfall. Now, I'm a little bit scared of heights, but uh, I'm also scared of water. So I decided that <laughs> I would dive off this huge waterfall and just, because I didn't have to worry about breathing underwater because I'm just dreaming. Mm. And so I experienced the whole dive off this huge waterfall and landing in this water. And it was amazing. It, it blew my mind, actually. Um, but it was all within the safe confines of a lucid dream. Um, and then, of course, if you're looking more on the spiritual side of things, you can do your spiritual practice in lucid dreams. So, for example, if you meditate, if you do mantra, if you do tai chi, you know, all these things can be done within the lucid dream. And you'll find that they kind of um, are really amplified. They really have a lot more strength because you're dealing with a very, a much more subtler level of the mind than you would from a waking state. So you're all, you know, if, when you're meditating you're trying to get to a deeper level of your mind in order to um, get past the chattering of the mind. Well, in a lucid dream, you're already there. That's the part of the mind you're, you're working with anyway within the dream. So, so spiritual practices um, are great to do in lucid dreams. And then um, there's a place in Germany who actually train their athletes to lucid dream because they... Um, will use it to do their training at night in their dreams as well as during the day. So they're doubling the amount of training they're getting in and they're also improving their performance um, during the waking state um, in their athletics. So it can be used for so many different things. There's many types of lucid dreams. Well, that's very, very interesting. I've heard um, stories in the past of people who may have been confined in captivity 
Uh, the one particular story I remember, I can't remember his name, but uh, a general, a US general in the Vietnam War, and he was basically kept in a cage for 10 years or some ridiculous length of time anyway. And he managed to get through the experience by constantly playing his favorite golf course in his mind. And he was gradually over the years getting better and better and better. And he did this to distract himself from the terrible predicament he was in. And he found when he got back to the US years later and actually played that golf course that he had become something ridiculous like 10 strokes better without having lifted a club in that length of time and you hear sports stars who um, and sports psychologists talking all the time about how people should picture and imagine success and how they should constantly go over particular tennis shots for example or shots in football whatever it happens to be over and over again and imagine that success and this sounds like you're talking about it a similar type of experience but with even more control because you don't have that conscious block that we quite often get because life gets in the way and you spoke about a mental chatter there and I think that's something that we all struggle with from time to time so this whole concept seems utterly amazing to me but amazing in a positive way and I think the fact that it has been backed up by 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 science and you mentioned Stephen LeBurge at Stanford University there and I mean he offered huge validity and proof to this but the big question is Emma how do we become aware of our dreams we all know that we dream but we only really know it after the fact so how does somebody become aware of a dream and gain some kind of control over it or some lucidity to use the term sure yeah i mean um there's many many different types of practices um uh, that, that you can employ and it's a case of kind of working through them to see what works for you because we're all individual we're all different we all have different triggers we all have different kind of motivations but there are some basics that everyone needs to be able to do and that's one remember your dreams <laughs> because quite often we wake up and we're, we're tuned into what we got to do for the day we've got to get up for work blah 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 sort out the kids yeah but um if we actually take just a little bit more time to wake up, just take it slower and actually write down our dreams. So keep a dream journal. That's really important. We have to really first start to reconnect with our dreams because some people might say, oh, I never dream. Well, no, it's just everybody dreams. We just don't remember them. So it's really important to keep a dream diary to start recording your dreams and that's telling your subconscious that hey I'm interested in my dreams I want to remember it um, and so you'll st you'll find after a couple of weeks that you'll, dr you'll remember more and more dreams and you know some people can remember up to 10 dreams a night um, so record your dreams that's really important um, then you have to also um, become uh, reflexively aware so basically in your lucid dream you become lucid within the dream because you're questioning the reality of the dream so if you think that you if you realize that you dream in the same state of mind really than the as in your waking state then you have to basically bring that reflexive quality into your dream state so you have to question reality in your waking state all the time so for example if you're walking down the street and you see something weird or somebody's doing something weird or there's a really strong coincidence you have to do what they call a reality check 
So this is really simple. You can either, you can look at your hand. Um, that's the, the famous one from Carlos Cost- Castaneda's books. Yeah where you um, just look at your hand, turn it over, look at it again, and say, am I dreaming? But you, you kind of program yourself to do this. You can set an alarm in your phone, actually. That's a good one every hour to check reality. Um, and you can... Um, you really have to get into the habit of questioning your reality. Um, so... That's the, the second uh, thing, really. And that, that really programs you into when, you, when something weird happens in your lucid dream, then you'll think, am I dreaming? Because you'll be used to asking yourself, am I dreaming when something weird happens? And, of course, we all know that weird things happen in dreams. <laughs> so, they certainly do. <laughs> yeah. So this is a really important thing for us. And we can use that weirdness to um, get lucid. Once you've been programmed, once you've been writing your uh, dream diary for a while, you can look at the types of dreams that you have. Maybe there's something a little bit weird that you do regularly in a, a lucid dream. For me, I found that I would run a lot in, in my dreams, which is really odd because um, I didn't do much running in waking state. Mm. Um, so, but when I run in a, in a dream, it feels like I'm running through mud. So I would program my subconscious that if I'm running I'm dreaming and I would do affirmations as I'm going to sleep so that's another method um, of getting lucid so you um, affirm to yourself if I'm running I'm dreaming if I'm running I'm dreaming and even I even started going to the gym and running on the treadmill so that I would have the feeling of running and then be saying to myself on the treadmill if I'm running I'm dreaming the next time I ran in a dream I was realized i'm running hey i must be dreaming so um hopefully you weren't uh, you weren't running on a treadmill in the dream because that could have posed problems well yeah absolutely no i was uh running down a road so uh yeah it worked um so this is called programming your dream triggers which is a is a fundamental thing to do as well so there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But you, like anything, John, if you want to master something, if you want to be good at it, you have to commit to it. Um, so you have to read up on it and really immerse yourself in the practices. You know, there's loads of stuff on YouTube. There's loads of amazing teachers out there. Um, there's loads of great events like Gateways of the Mind yeah. to come to. So um, really immerse yourself in, in lucid dreaming. Um, buy some books, etc. Read, read about lucid dreaming before you go to sleep. That's a great one. Um, so that you're already kind of thinking about it and that will hopefully carry on through your, your dreams as well. So, so yeah, there's, there's lots of different practices. Brilliant. And I'm going to direct over towards David now because we'll talk about shamanic dreaming and Carlos Castaneda was mentioned by you there, Emma. Uh, David, what can you tell us about shamanic dreaming? How does it tie in with the work of, uh, of Castaneda and what's it all about? And then we'll hopefully tie everything together into one big mass towards the end. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I think Emma's given some very good examples there mm. of ways to, to, to kind of re, reprogram yourself to, to question reality, um, which I think is really the, the kind of starting point for a lot of these exercises. And hopefully you'll get to a point where the so-called waking state and the dreaming state start to blur a little bit and, and what one seems less defined than the other, or uh, you, you'll start to find that, that when you're awake that somehow the quality of it seems slightly different and, and that uh, basically will help you 
um, to become lucid in your dreams as well. But to refer back to Carlos Castaneda, who a lot of uh, lucid dream teachers still refer to, um, his books, um, obviously the teachings of Don Juan, Journey to Ixtlan, and particularly The Art of Dreaming, mm. um, the, the exercise using the hand was one of the ones that uh, Don, Don Juan supposedly told uh, Carlos to use, and that's how, how he, he kind of came about writing the book, The Art of Dreaming. Um, of course, uh, Carlos was uh, training in, in some particular kind of shamanic practices um, specific to the, the native uh, Indians in Central America. Um, so he was mixing up different stuff. He was mixing up the use of uh, some sacred uh, medicine plants, such as the peyote plant. Um, also, if you really read Castaneda's books, you'll see that there's quite a strong undercurrent of Buddhist ideas in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often been leveled at Castaneda that he actually lifted some of the ideas from other traditions. Whether that's true or not, uh, I don't think it really matters that much because the ideas are very sound. Um, and, and then obviously the book about uh, the art of dreaming is really specifically about becoming conscious in your dreams. Um, so sometimes um, there, there can be a, a bit of a distinction or people get a bit confused about lucid dreaming and they think that vivid dreams um, can be lucid dreams. Uh, in actual fact, vivid dreams are not the same as lucid dreaming, but they can also be very important and it can be quite often a case that your subconscious uh, is trying to tell you something that you need to address in, in your so-called waking state, that it's trying to give you a message and say, hey man, this is something you need to look at. Uh, I'm trying to tell you, but but you, you're just not listening to me. Uh, and so with uh, shamanic dreaming, it's really about uh, trying to tune in to uh, those normal types of dreams and to see the messages and the patterns that uh, that are coming through. And that's why the use of, um, of a dream diary can be very good. Again, it's just reinforcing to your subconscious that dreams are important. They need to be listened to, that they're not just something that happens when you go to sleep and you can forget about. They're actually an important part of your existence. And I think that's, that's for me, one of the most interesting things about the mixture of shamanism and the lucid dreaming stuff. It's all about um, becoming whole. Um, it's about stepping into your power, finding your truth, and, and living your life both in the so-called waking state and the dreaming state as, as a whole individual. Um, we had a very good speaker at uh, our Gateways event in London last year, uh, a Taoist uh, alchemist and Qigong master called Michael Wynn, um, who's, who's, who's obviously very good at Qigong, but he also ran a, um, an astral projection uh, flying school uh, back in his early days, and he, he's mixed in lucid dreaming with Qigong. But he did a very nice thing at the event, called uh, he called it a dream theatre, and he basically lined up four different people uh, on the stage to, to represent different things, and to represent the individual at the normal level, uh, which we find ourselves uh, in, in this kind of reality. He had two people, but with their backs to each other, and he said, this is us, this is us in the waking state and us in the dreaming state. But the two people are not looking at each other, they're looking in different directions. And this is to represent the fact that this is how most people are, that they see their dreaming state as something almost separate from, from what goes on when they're you know, in, in the waking state. Mm. And he said, the first trick really for us as, as beings on our path is to get the two people to face each other. Uh, and once that happens, once once people engage in a dreaming practice of, uh, of which there are many different types, that then you will start to see um, that that, um, that you that you will find that your subconscious and and your kind of uh, normal conscious are in communication with each other, and this then offers up the possibility for you to connect to the you know the potential of your higher your higher self or the higher states of consciousness uh, and to connect to a much bigger kind of idea of consciousness as a whole. So for me, 
uh, shamanism offers another angle on on the dream state and how to work with your with your own subconscious. Um, you know, because there's a wealth of information stored in there which can help you in in all areas of your life. And as you speak, David, um, a couple of different images are springing to mind. Uh, some of the descriptions sound a little bit like what people might describe when they're having an hallucinogenic experience. And you you mentioned peyote then when you were referencing Carlos Castaneda. Can certain plants and hallucinogenics be used to, I suppose, aid you into a state of lucid dreaming? Or can it be done completely without the aid of anything else? Because I think that's a, a pertinent question for a lot of people. It's a very interesting question, and it's one that quite often um, causes a lot of debate um, within particularly the lucid dreaming space. Um, you can definitely uh, induce lucid dreaming without the use of any kind of uh, supplements or plants. Um, there are plants and supplements that will help with that. Um, typically in the native British tradition, mugwort was a plant that was used as a tea um, before going to sleep that would help induce uh, dreams or lucid dreams. Um, there, there is also uh, a product out there called galantamine, which a lot of people probably will have come across in their research. Uh, this this causes a lot of um, controversial discussion within the lucid dreaming community. There are some people that are very uh, anti the use of galantamine because it does have some rather unfortunate side effects. It can make you feel very nauseous, and uh, it's not entirely. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't developed for lucid dreaming. It's actually developed for Alzheimer's. For Alzheimer's, that's right. <laughs> right. Um, but then somebody discovered by accident that actually that it creates uh, lucid dreams. Uh, that has a very very high success rate, although. There is also some debate as to whether it takes you into a, a typical lucid dream or into something that might more commonly be known as a, an out-of-body experience. Mm. Um, for, for us, the out-of-body experience is a term that we use because people are familiar with it, but it's actually a little bit misleading. Uh, it, it tends to imply that there is something um, out, out of the body and that we are separate from the body. That's not the case. Um, but th this is a language issue, um, and I think that's something that we're going to see an evolution of in the future. But to come back to, to your, uh, your question, um, yes, there are uh, m many kind of psychoactive plants out there um, becoming increasingly more well-known. A lot of people going down to the Amazon now and drinking ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, that's a very, very uh, powerful uh, plant that can show you many things. Uh, it's, it's, its properties are quite different from that of the peyote plant. Um, but ayahuasca is, has been used by indigenous people in South America for a very, very long time. Uh, and I think if you look at some of the ancient cultures like the Mayans, for example, it's my belief that they were using this medicine in those periods as well. And they were able to go into altered states of consciousness uh, for various reasons, for healing purposes, to gain information uh, from, from a much bigger kind of information source. And I think that it can be very important for that. Um, whether that state of consciousness and the lucid dream state are the same thing, that's a big question that no one has really been able to define yet. I think that's that's something um, for future explorers to, to possibly uh, kind of question and explore for themselves. I think both methodologies uh, have their own benefits um, and, and quite possibly can be used in conjunction uh, with each other in different ways. Uh, whether you can have a lucid dream from, from uh, sacred... Uh, ceremony circle uh, I, I would think probably it's a little bit difficult because you're already in one kind of altered state but um, how I tend to look at it John is um, frequencies we're actually with our consciousness yeah. um, we're tuning into different frequencies for different 
levels or types of experience. Sure. So, for example, in a lucid dream, you're tuning into one frequency um, and you can actually tune in from a lucid dream to an out-of-body experience. So to a different frequency, you can use a lucid dream to, to exit the lucid dream as well, but that's quite an advanced thing. But um, then also with the um, uh, uh, ethnogens, um, psychoactive uh, plants, again, that's a different frequency you're tuning into, and all plants have a different resonance themselves, so you're tuning into the resonance of the plant. Um, so I think in terms of um, experience, it's just different levels of frequency. I think that that's quite that kind of um, helps to un- helps us understand what's what's happening. I think. Yeah, I'd like to just to, to add to that, John. I think Emma's uh, brought up a very important point, and I think the more that we do our events ourselves, and the more that we uh, work with different teachers from different traditions, whether they're shamans, whether lucid dream teachers, whether they're uh, Tibetan Buddhist monks. Uh, Taoist uh, masters, what we're seeing is is this kind of evolution of our understanding of what consciousness actually is and how how we tune into these different levels of consciousness. And there is a growing movement uh, and kind of set of ideas from different teachers that does relate it to to frequency. And basically, the, we as beings are kind of almost like a, a dial on a radio, and, and we can, by just twisting the dial slightly, we can tune into a different state of frequency or a different state of consciousness. And that can be through a lucid dream, it can be through an out of body experience, it can be through the use of entheogens or um, psychoactive plants. And as Emma said, e- each one has different properties and different qualities which we can tune into and work with uh, sh- should we so desire. Right, and for those who might be those listeners who might be struggling with the concept and still wouldn't have a clue what it is we're talking about, <laughs> um, would would it be accurate to point them towards popular culture references such as movies like Inception or Avatar or Vanilla Sky? Could that possibly be interpreted as some kind of reference to lucid dreaming? Could that interpretation be accurate just to give some some listeners a visualization of what it is we're speaking about? Yes, almost certainly. The, uh, the, uh, the, the movie Inception is, is very definitely based around the concept of lucid dreaming. Um, that, that's probably the closest movie um, that's been made in, in recent years that would, that would give people an idea. Vanilla Sky is also a good one. Um, there are other movies out there like Jacob's Ladder, although that yes. um, is kind of uh, directed by the use of LSD in the Vietnam War. But the ideas are very, very similar. And it's about um, the the being or the the individual going into another state of consciousness where they're able to access information that helps them understand the process that they're going through. That process, um, in the case of uh, Vanilla Sky, I think as well, the well the person's actually been uh, is in a coma from a car crash. Mm. In the case of Inception, they're actually using that to. Uh, to go in and, and reprogram other people's subconscious so that they can do things that they want them to do. Which um, I don't think you can actually do, but uh, that's Hollywood for you. <laughs> yeah, there are some Hollywood aspects to the uh, Inception movie, but it, but it definitely gives people the idea um, of, of what lucid dreaming is about. I mean, there are a wealth uh, of good books out there at the moment. Our good friend uh, Charlie Morley's just written a very good one um, called Dreams of Awakening, which is a good place to start. Um, there it's is a fantastic book, actually. It, it it really outlines all the basics that you need, all the practices that are, and he puts in there. He's he's been teaching for years um, all over the world, actually, and he has put in his book the the practices that he's seen the most amount of success with. Um, so, great book to read. Yeah. So the, there's Charlie's book, then the, uh, probably one of the other really great books. 
on lucid dreaming for my money is the book by Robert Wagner by by many people in the lucid dreaming space he is considered probably to be the the don of lucid dreaming so to speak I mean he, he's been doing it almost his entire life and has had a, a incredible results uh, using it to, to heal people in the lucid dream and he's actually gone gone beyond the lucid dream into a state of being called non-dual awareness uh, which is a very kind of Buddhist concept but um, so th- those are good books Liberge's book is a good one to start with because he also lists a lot of the techniques in there um, so yeah I mean for, for the person who just wants to, to start out and try and grasp a little bit about what lucid dreaming uh, c- can offer and how to get to that space then, then those are some of the books but if you go onto Amazon uh, these days and type in Lucid Jimmy, you'll find that there's a good 15, 20 books out there which are all, all pretty decent as well. Mm. And before we talk about some of the practical applications and, and benefits of Lucid Dreaming, I'd like to address the issue of scepticism, if I may, as well, because there are skeptics out there and we shouldn't ever take things at face value, in my opinion. And from my reading, I stumbled across a guy called Norman Malcolm who had a very interesting quote And, of course, there will be listeners who will be thinking something along those lines. So, basically, his quote was, I dreamt that I realized I was dreaming, dreamt that I was affecting the course of my dream, and then dreamt that I woke up by telling myself to wake up. And he said that lucid dreaming is completely impossible. And um, Patrick McNamara, then, of Boston University, was saying the only way to find out if somebody is dreaming is to ask them. How would you address these skeptics? Well, I mean... Has anybody ever proved, actually proved that we dream? Nobody's ever actually gone in and recorded anybody's dreams, mm. although they are getting close to, to that now um, uh, in, the, in the laboratories. But up until now, nobody has, yet we all accept that we dream. Yeah. So it's all about direct experience. So, of course, there are skeptics for everything, but until you have your own experience and you um, immerse yourself in the practices and you try it for yourself, you'll never truly believe it. Um, so... My my uh, kind of uh, answer to to skeptics is that you know hey well science has just about proved it um, uh, but you know try it for yourself. Yeah, I'd also like to to add to what Emma's just said, uh, just said, and I, I like to to ask the question: What is a dream? When are we dreaming? Are we dreaming now? Mm. What's to say that, that this whole conversation isn't happening within a dream space? And there's a great uh, quote, I think, from one of the um, native Indian tribes of North America that says, we are the dreams of great spirit. Now, what that to me means is that that everything that is going on is just uh, another type of dream from something much bigger than what we are experiencing here on this planet, in this reality. And that might be a, a far out concept for a lot of people to believe, but it, I, I like to think of it like that is, you know, we, we see dreams as being something that happened when we go to sleep, mm. but that's not necessarily the case. That's just what our current belief system has told us. Uh, and so if we start to, to see that our existence in the so-called waking state perhaps also is a dream, then, then of course lucid dreaming is possible because we're actually living a lucid dream right now. Yeah, and as well as that, I think that we're kind of brought up to believe, certainly in Western culture, that sleep is something separate from every other part of us, that we only really need to address what's going on when we're awake and that that's our only reality and that when we're asleep it's just we kind of... Uh, everything about us except our body disappears for a while but time and time again through my own personal experience I've discovered that's not the case you guys have clearly the same and people throughout history I mean indigenous cultures are great for teaching us lost knowledge that we need to re-remember and western culture I think has a tendency to just throw it out with the bathwater in favor of 
a scientist sitting somewhere and saying, right, well, I can now prove this categorically. We don't need proof of everything. I mean, nobody has ever proven to me that I'm looking at my hand, for example, yet I know I'm looking at, looking at my hand. So others may argue that that's just my perception of what's going on, going on. And that's fine as well, because that comes back to what you're saying, David, what's really a dream and what's not. It doesn't really matter as long as we can shape our own reality in the way that we want it in a positive sense. And that kind of leads me on then to the benefits and the practical applications of how we can shape a lucid dream and what we can use it for. Emma touched on it earlier on in the conversation, but I'd like to delve into this a little bit deeper because I know, personally speaking, it's an area I would like to explore and I'd like to know what I can actually do when I'm in there, apart from maybe just flying around the world and having a look at the sites or the pyramids or whatever it might be. You know, what can I do that will benefit my life specifically? Um, just, I'm going to let Emma talk about the specific uh, uh, qualities of what we can do in a lucid dream. But I'd just like to reaffirm what you just said there, John, which I think is very important. Mm. That um, that your reality is how you shape it, uh, and and we so often in the West, I think, get caught up in the idea that unless science has proven it, it can't be real. For me, my experience is real no matter what somebody tells me. I'm living my experience, I'm living my life, I'm living it uh, through the dream state, I'm living it through the waking state, but it's my experience and, and it's entirely up to me how I perceive that really. Yeah. And I think that's an important message that a lot of people can, can take something from because that experience um, gives you the responsibility for how your life is going to be and what, what you fill it with. You can fill it with uh, amazingly beautiful things or you can fill it with uh, incredibly horrible things. But that choice is really down to you. And I think the same is, is true with the lucid dream state, but I'll let Emma talk a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, what you do within a lucid dream um, depends on your aspirations for yourself. Um, some people are af- seeking enlightenment. Some people are um, just wanting to make um, their, their daily life easier to live. Some people are just really curious and then inquisitive about um, about reality and about how their mind works so depending on your position I suppose depends on what you would want to do within a lucid dream for example um, one great way to get to know yourself and to really kind of start to make friends with your subconscious and integrate that sleeping state into your waking state is to ask people in your dreams what they represent because these dream characters are projections of your subconscious. They're the d- sub, uh, projections of your own mind. Mm. So if you go up to a dream character consciously and ask him, hey, what do you represent? I mean, the, it, you'll be astounded at the answers that you get. He might represent some trauma from when you were a child. And so you can hug him and say, everything's okay. And you can start to heal traumas that have been buried in your subconscious. Um, He might just say, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of up for a bit of fun. Let's go to a party. (laughs) You know, it could be anything. Um, So really kind of engaging with your dream characters is a really great thing to do. Um, Like I said, you can cure phobias. Um, You can embrace your shadow, uh, uh, your shadow aspect, um, if we want to use Jungian uh, terminology. The shadow aspect of ourselves is everything that we've kind of buried within our subconscious, the the traumas that we've suppressed and tried to forget about, the things that we're told as children 
or as young people that um, are embarrassing or are not acceptable in society or that we're just ashamed of and and actually we think they're they're gonna it's gonna be full of these negative things but actually um, they're just things that we believe are are negative when actual fact if we delve into them through lucid dreaming um, which which in a lucid dream your shadow aspect could be represented by a monster or represented by you know some really horrible person um, but if you actually kind of instead of running away and and being scared of that shadow aspect if you actually turn and embrace it or hug it or kiss it you know which takes a lot of a, a lot of um, courage actually um, once you do that, you can start to heal and reintegrate these shadow aspects of yourself, which are actually not as bad as you think they are. And you can start to heal on a, on a very deep psychological level, and which, of course, can only benefit your daily life, can only make you less anxious, make you less um, nervous, That's give you more self-confidence. Um, so, yeah, that, that's on a psychological level. That's huge benefits. Um, from a on a spiritual level, if you're really into say any any kind of spiritual practice, no matter no matter what it is, you can do it in a lucid dream because you choose what you want to do and focus on in a lucid dream. It's your dream, it's your safe space to explore and to um, experience and to practice. So so yeah it, it, it amplifies the practice of whatever you do because as I mentioned you're already using a very subtle aspect of your mind with, to dream yeah. so you're already there so um, there are people who meditate in lucid dreams which it's it's quite kind of a far out concept but and quite profound but what happens is you close your eyes you sit in a um uh, you know you sit down in the lucid dream as you would do to meditate you close your eyes and you calm your mind which is much easier to do obviously in a lucid dream because you don't have all that chatter going on and the dream falls away and you can have many many different types of experiences from that um which I won't go into here, but um, there are many things to, many practices that can kind of um, help explain this. But it's quite a far out concept, so I don't want to kind of confuse people. Okay, maybe we can go in depth in a future conversation into that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I think it's also just worth adding here, John, as well, that uh, one of the very interesting kind of ongoing debates within um, the lucid dream stroke uh, out of body experience kind of community is about belief systems and, and how much uh, our belief systems actually dictate what happens in our dream space, our lucid dream space, or, or even uh, in, in a sacred medicine circle as well. Because, you know, there, there are some people that like to say that, that some things are definite. They're one of the most common ones in the out-of-body experience is that we have a silver cord that attaches our uh, so-called non-physical self to our physical self. Okay. There are some people that absolutely swear blind that this is real and that unless you see the silver cord, you're not having a so-called out-of-body experience. However, we have a, a few uh, friends of ours who are very good explorers in that in that different state of consciousness who said they have looked for as long as they can remember for the silver cord and have yet to find it. So what this tends to suggest to us is, in a very kind of simplified way, is that that your belief systems actually dictate to you the experiences that you can have, whether they're in your physical body, in the so-called waking state, or in, in another frequency of vibration, another type of dream state. And, of course, in the West, you know, we've been very much driven over the last 
uh, a thousand years by the Roman Catholic Church yeah. and by by science. And so for a lot of us, we've grown up in that environment and that dictates to us how uh, our dream experiences are. If you talk to a native Indian uh, from North or South America or maybe from one of the Aboriginal people from Australia or another indigenous tribe, their kind of belief systems will be very, very different. They're much more uh, nature people. Their, their, their experiences are more on the animism uh, level. And so they have completely different experiences from us because they haven't grown up in a society that's dictated by these different kinds of paradigms which we have. And a question that I have and on my travels, spoken to one or two people who swear blind that they can, through lucid dreams, physically affect the waking state. And what I mean by that is people who can say that they've, they've traveled somewhere in a lucid dream and they've managed to pick up an object in that dream and manifested it then when they've woken up maybe a thousand miles away the next morning or whatever. Is, is that something you subscribe to? Is it something you think? I mean, obviously our scientific paradigm scoffs at that and says, hang on a minute, that's completely impossible. But what's your standpoint on that through your experience and, of course, the people that you've come into contact with over the last number of years? Uh, okay, so just let me cl- clarify the question. You're saying that, uh, that you've, you've come across people that uh, in the lucid dreams they have actually been able to manifest an object which has then appeared in the physical world. Yeah, for example, a pebble or something small like that. They've been able to wake up from the dream and it's there that this pebble that they picked up in a lucid dream, for example, in Malaysia when they're actually at home in Mexico. Uh, I've not come across that many examples of that really from a lucid dream. I do believe that manifestation of physical objects, as we would you know, refer to them, mm. from uh, another state of consciousness is quite possibly probable. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that it's, um, it's a level of technology and science which we don't really understand yet uh, that well uh, within our own current uh, kind of belief systems but I don't see any reason why that that wouldn't be possible in fact I heard uh, a great story once that suggested that the great pyramids of Egypt had actually been constructed from the top down mm. uh, so that the, the stones were placed at the top first and the, the last ones were placed at the bottom which would be completely flying in the face of all conventional understanding of how these things were built but they were actually constructed from uh, from a different state of consciousness a higher state of consciousness if you if you could call it that who knows man I mean that we were talking about something very far out but um, I, again I just think that uh, my view is that if you can keep an open mind and never reduce yourself into small boxes and say that's not possible, mm-hmm. the more you tell yourself something's not possible, the less likely it is to, for you to make it possible. If you have a, an open perspective and say any, anything's possible, who knows? I, I think that we would actually start to surprise ourselves as a race of beings if we were to engage in the possibility that magic is possible. And then the issue of hypnosis, what are the similarities and the differences? Because when I mentioned to one or two people that I was, uh, I'd be talking to you about lucid dreaming, the word hypnosis came up a couple of times. And is there a similarity? Is hypnosis maybe that somebody else can control a state similar to a lucid dream for you? Or what's the deal there? Um, yeah, interesting one. I do know that um, a lot of people use um, hypnosis to train themselves to lucid dream or to have out-of-body experiences um, because, again, it's, a, it's programming your subconscious mind and it's, it's suge- making suggestions to your subconscious mind. Um, I, I not really kind of looked into hypnosis a great deal myself, um, may, but um, I know that a lot of teachers do use it. 
Yeah, I would concur with Emma. I mean, it's not an area which we know uh, that much about ourselves personally, so I'd be very hesitant to talk about something I don't really know that much about. Yeah. But I do know that uh, our colleague Charlie, who's on the Gateways program, he, he quite often um, talks about hypnosis because he has trained in that. Um, so he's probably a better person to, to ask about something like that. But again, I just think it's an interesting area of research that has yet to be really fully explored. Okay, well, let's talk about Gateways then, because the next Gateways of the Mind is in Ireland. It's on the 7th and 8th of June in Griffith College Conference Centre in Dublin. So tell us what people can expect from the conference, and tell us a little bit about past conferences as well, I suppose. Yeah, we we ran Gateways of the Mind in Ireland uh, last year as well at the Hilton Hotel, um, and it was actually launched in London in 2012, and um, we run it annually in London and annually in Dublin, and uh, this year um, is... We're bringing together a great lineup of uh, teachers and practitioners again. We've got seven different teachers and practitioners who are going to teach about the different aspects, um, whether it's creativity, whether it's about um, integrating into your daily life, whether it's out-of-body experiences or more on the Tibetan Buddhist side, um, lucid dream teachings. Um, bringing these teachers from from all over the world, actually, to, to Ireland um, to to give people the tools for their own explorations into consciousness. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to uh, just kind of reaffirm what Emma's just said. When we originally started with the concept of gateways of the mind, uh, it, it originally kind of started out as, as predominantly a lucid dreaming uh, out-of-body experience event, but it's now kind of subsequently evolved into something much bigger than that, which we like to call spiritual development through uh, explorations into consciousness. And I think the, the important kind of uh, piece of information there is that, that it's easy to, dis- to dismiss dreams or altered states of consciousness as something that can be a bit frivolous or that can be perhaps a bit of a spiritual high or it can be something that you do once in a while. And, but I, I always come back to the, the interesting piece uh, of information that we spend a third of our lives asleep now, you know, for the average person who lived 25, uh, 75 to, to 80 years, that's about 25 years of sleep, which for most people is almost a complete blackout. Yeah. Now, I find that quite disturbing personally. It's like, wow, there's like a third of my life that I'm not really engaging with. Now, if I can engage with that in, in some kind of positive, constructive manner, then how will that change the other two thirds of my life in a positive way? And I think that's really when trying to put these the, the greater ideas of consciousness exploration and dreaming across to people, that, that's what we're trying to say. It's like, hey, guys, there's, there's a whole part of your life that you're not even really consciously aware of. What are the implications of that? Uh, and so with the Gateways of the Mind event, uh, the way we construct the programs is they're always a journey across the weekend from the, from the Saturday morning to the, the Sunday evening. And we take people on a journey through consciousness and we look at it from different perspectives. And uh, we, we like people to, to kind of make their own uh, kind of judgments or to not judgment, but they, they, they find a level which they resonate with. And each speaker will probably speak to a different person in a different way. And so the, the program is constructed in such a way that we have people from different backgrounds, whether it's shamanism, Tibetan Buddhism, Taoism, uh, Western science. Um, whatever it might be, you know, because everybody has different things that they, they resonate with. And, and so we give people the maximum opportunity across the weekend of a Gateways event 
to find the information that they need that they can take back into their life and implement in their spiritual practices. And we make it a really immersive weekend to really get people to understand what this is all about and the potential for them. So not only do we have um, speakers presenting to people, but they actually do practical exercises with them as well. So they'll take people through um, meditations, they'll take people through um, an out-of-body experience method, which is fantastic. Um, And we also integrate um, music, soundscapes um, into, into the into each day and we've got a visionary art gallery as well of beautiful artwork inspired by dreams and altered states of consciousness we've also got um somebody doing uh after each presentation doing two minute trips into holistic dreaming that'll incorporate video and kind of just give people little kind of um almost like a zen koan to think about uh, before the break so we're really kind of helping people to just think outside of the box to expand our consciousness and really immerse ourselves in this in this world of um of uh conscious exploration and it sounds really like it's for everybody whether they're complete beginners and know nothing about lucid dreaming our consciousness in general and for those that might be a little bit more experienced would that be correct yes totally john that's uh that's how we create these events because we understand that there are people that i mean for example when we did the the last uh, gateways event in london charlie um who's who's always the host for our events he asked the question of the audience how many of you have had like one lucid dream Uh, and pretty much i would say about 80 percent of the audience put their hand then he says how many of you have had 10 lucid dreams and again it's a large proportion he says how many of you have had over 100 lucid dreams and still there's a large proportion so you can see across the course there of the the audience in London, which which actually um, has a, London has a very large lucid dreaming community, mm. that there is a real kind of from complete beginners to experienced people, and yet they all want to come to the event because everybody takes away something different, um, and we we kind of make sure that our events can sing to all people in, in a way that they will find that they can use themselves, uh, and again that's why we have the different uh, different types of. Uh, teachers, whether it's from the shamanic side or the more specific lucid dreaming, or and, and in fact, this year we have a, a really wonderful teacher called Tim Freak who teaches lucid living, which is really about encompassing the ideas that we would typically kind of uh, associate with lucid dreaming, but actually into into our normal daily routines and say how can we become consciously aware or live lucidly at all times. And again, this comes back to what I was talking earlier about with uh, Michael Wynn about getting the two. Uh, people in the dream theater, the two characters who have their backs to each other to turn and face each other and, and recognize that they are part of the whole. And, and I think that's really what um, is the underlying message of this event. It's like, hey, if we can realize that particularly our dream state is a really important aspect of us in whatever way it works for us, whether it's through shamanic dream decoding or uh, lucid dreaming or out-of-body experiences, then, then we can actually bring something much more whole and fulsome to our, our, our everyday life. And I'd also like to point out that um, we're bringing William Buhlman to the to Ireland. Now, William is one of the foremost authorities on outer body experiences, astral projection, if you like, and he um, has sold millions of books around the world. And um, we're bringing him from the US to Ireland for the first time. And he's going to be teaching us about. I mean, we brought him to London, and we said to him, "You have to come to Ireland as well because he is just fantastic." And he takes people again, he teaches an OBE method and um, he's been teaching for many, many years, for decades actually, at the Monroe Institute in, in America, which is very famous for, uh, for out-of-body experiences. Mm. Um, it was set up by Robert Monroe. 
I think back in the 70s yeah. um, and and William has teaches there so and he's very much involved in a lot of the research that goes on uh, for out-of-body experiences and the development of new technologies like hemisync um, and binaural beats etc that can kind of help us to 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 train our mind and our, train the brain actually in the the brain waves um, into these kind of altered states so um, it's a really rare opportunity to 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 meet William Buhlman at the event yeah and also um, as Emma was just saying William's coming from the US but uh, another amazing lady is Sandy Corcoran who uh, is also coming from the US who is as far as I know one of the few western women is actually trained uh, with native indigenous elders from both North, Central and South America. Um, she's worked with the medicine wheel of the indigenous uh, native uh, Indians of North America, but she's also been down to the Amazon and worked with some of the uh, tribal people down there, working with the sacred plant ayahuasca and other medicine plants. And she's going to be bringing all of that knowledge with her uh, to not only the uh, the main conference program on the Saturday and Sunday, but she's also going to be doing a much smaller workshop uh, out of Dunderry Park which I'm sure many of your listeners will know of, um, which is where, obviously, um, Martin Duffy runs Shamanism Ireland workshops from. And In fact, Martin's also on the programme. Martin came to London last year and he talked about shamanism from a kind of uh, native uh, British or Celtic perspective, which I think is very important because these days a lot of people uh, are returning to their, to their roots. And I see this particularly in Ireland, which, as Emma said earlier, and which you alluded to, is actually the, the ancestral homeland of my own family. A lot of people, now that the Catholic Church has kind of fallen away and, and people are still looking for, for something spiritual in life, they're kind of going back to the old school and, and saying, hey, well, you know, what are the, the real roots of our culture here? And they're finding it in shamanism. Um, so for me, that's something very close to my heart on different levels. And, you know, like I say, these are the different types of uh, teachings that we, we, we bring to the event and we, we let people find what works for them. Well, I must say it all sounds extremely exciting and it's something I'm very much looking forward to as well. So tell us, how can people get their hands on tickets or how can they find out more information on everything that's going on? Sure. Well, we have a website, of course, which is island.gatewaysofthemind.com and um, on there you can find the f- full details about the speakers, their biographies, what they're presenting about in detail. You can buy tickets um, and you can contact us if you've got any questions. We do run um, student tickets as well um, for any students out there. Uh, you just send us your valid ID and um, we can send you a um, you can access a, a discounted ticket. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all on the website. Uh, we also have a meetup group. Um, on if, if any of your listeners use meetup, which I think a lot of people in Dublin do these days, so that's called uh, the Lucid Experience Dublin. It's meetup.com forward slash the dash lucid dash experience dash Dublin. Um, there's always information posted on not only our Gateways of the Mind event, but also other workshops that we run in Ireland. Um, we've just recently had Charlie Morley over for a, a lucid dreaming workshop, which was very well attended and went down very well. And uh, so that's something else that we do for those people that want to go much deeper into specific teachings. Um, so, yeah. And have you got any kind of message for beginners who are new to this conversation? They might be a little bit kind of blown away by what we're talking about. How could they for themselves, even if they can't attend the Gateways of the Mind conference, what's the first step they could take towards exploring lucid dreaming for themselves a little bit further? Yeah, I mean, there 
the, the first steps basically are learn some techniques, learn a little bit of background. So buy um, one of the books like Charlie Morley's or um, Robert Wagner's or Stephen LeBerger's. And um, th- one of those three books will just give you everything you need really to, to get started um, and to have your first lucid dream. And the first, I think for a lot of people, having their first lucid dream is a big obstacle because we have a lot of kind of preconceived notions and blockages self-doubt that we can do it you know you you read about these and and you hear about these amazing experiences that people are having and you know in the back of your mind you tell yourself oh I'd never be able to do that but actually we all can so just having that first lucid dream really commit yourself for you know find a practice that you can resonate with and practice it for every day for a month and have your first lucid dream and then decide whether you'd like to go further into it. Yeah, I think it's also worth just pointing out at this point that um, it's been kind of discovered over many years that some people are naturally better at having lucid dreams than others. Um, but it's our belief, as it is with all of the teachers we work with, that everybody is capable of having a lucid dream. But it's like a lot of things in life. Some people are naturally gifted footballers. Um, some people are naturally gifted at flying an aeroplane. Some people are naturally gifted at lucid dreaming. But all of those things can be improved on with practice. We can all become better at something by practice. Uh, and, and some people, it takes them uh, maybe just after coming to one of uh, the workshops or an event like Gateways of the Mind, they might go home that night and have their first lucid dream. Other people, they might have to engage in a practice for maybe several weeks or a couple of months. But practice always pays off in, in our experience from what we've seen with people. And those that really, really want to have a lucid dream and believe it's possible will be the ones that have success. Absolutely. So for me, it comes down to it comes down to belief and the intention behind it and I think that's something that we haven't really talked about so much but intention uh, to do anything is is really important and lucid dreaming is no different from that Um, but definitely uh, go out and watch Inception again watch Vanilla Sky uh, watch any kind of movies that uh, sci-fi movies are also good because again they're making you question you know reality you know are are these spaceship uh, are they possible? Are these you know other universes are they possible? And the more that you question what's possible and what's not possible, you're telling your subconscious like, hey, maybe this lucid dreaming thing is possible. Maybe there is something really weird out there that I can discover which I don't already know. And so the quest to conquer consciousness continues. Emma and David Farrell, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you on Alchemy Radio today. I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Hopefully we can speak again in the future and I look forward to seeing you at the Gateways Conference. Thanks so much, John. It's been our absolute pleasure and I hope uh, your listeners have enjoyed it. Yes, many thanks, John. It's uh, it's been absolutely uh, a pleasure to talk to you and yeah, we hope to to see both yourself and uh, hopefully some of your listeners uh, in in Dublin in a few weeks' time at Gateways. Alchemy Radio.
I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy Radio. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are extremely grateful for any and all help you can offer. We put no fixed costs on your donations or subscriptions and every little helps. So, for example, if you could spare even the price of a cup of coffee every month, it would go a long, long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated. Thank you to everybody who has donated over the last number of weeks. You've been a massive help. We'll be back very, very soon with our next installment of Alchemy Radio. Until then, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Analyze. Alchemy Radio. Conceive. Alchemy Radio. Believe. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?